Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Open your Bibles, Genesis chapter 4. Good morning. How are you? It is in the beginning, yes. Genesis chapter 4. I want to I make a statement this morning that I 100% believe that if you will believe this statement and you will act upon it, your life can change, completely change. In fact, I believe that this statement is perhaps the key to a large, if not most, all of the issues in your life. Pretty big statement, ain't it? Here's the statement. You do not have to be angry anymore. I just got chill bumps saying that. Seriously. Here's why. I believe that we live in a world where people are angry. Matter of fact, I believe that, that it is increasing in its intensity in anger. If you don't believe me, just drive 98 and then jump on the bridge, you know, the other bridge. And you will see a display of anger that you would have thought, wow, where in the world is this coming from? I got to tell you, it's not about a bridge. You don't get that angry over driving unless there's something else going on. The truth of the matter is, so many people live in constant anger, but they haven't identified it, and they haven't recognized it, and they haven't dealt with it, and today, you can be totally set free, or at least you can begin to be totally set free, because let's be honest, it's not a magic wand, and it's not a snap of a finger. You're not just going to go, okay, I won't be angry anymore, and it's done. No, because the deeper the anger is rooted, the more work it's going to take to get rid of it, but I promise you... Dealing with the anger that is inside of you will set you free and give you a life that you never saw possible. God never intended you for, for you to live this way. In fact, you want to know where the anger comes from? Unless it's a holy, righteous anger, it comes from the father of lies himself. The Bible tells us that the devil is a liar. The Bible tells us that the devil is the father of lies, that he's a deceiver, that he's an imposter. That he's the accuser of the brethren. That is the, he is the author of this unresolved anger. I'm not talking about righteous anger. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that, that in our anger, we're not supposed to sin. And it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, anger is a natural, normal response to circumstances. It's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to let anger fester. It's a sin to let anger de uh, uh, stay inside and grow. And believe me, actually don't believe me. Just look at the scripture. Anger always grows when it's not dealt with. Always, every time. All right, before we get into the scripture, I want you to do a little exercise. It's kind of corny, but trust me on this, okay? I want you to take your hands and stretch them out. And I want you to put your hands like this and make, make a, little, uh, a little triangle. Can you see that? All right, now I want you to take your eyes, I want you to just look around, okay? I am so impressed that everybody except the crippled one's doing it. 
What's wrong with you, everybody? I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> I'm just playing with you. There you go. <laughs> By the way, we've been praying for you to get better. We're really hoping that that does it sooner than later because I know that's difficult having your arm constantly in a sling like that. Especially, when, oh, I was going to say, especially since you have a pool to swim in, right? <laughs> Speaking of anger. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just private. That's just, <laughs> I forgot that y'all were doing that. My bad. I'm just, I'm just sitting here having a personal conversation. All right, now I want you to look around, you see? All right, now I want you to take your arms and I want you to go like this. All right? Now I want you to look around. Do you guys look so funny doing that? I wish I could video that. That is hilarious. You're on TV. All right, you can put them down. I want you to set that aside and just remember what you just saw, okay? All right. <laughs> You're like, what did we just do here? Trust me, trust me. All right, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain, the first baby ever born, Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. So you have brothers, Cain, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of his firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and on his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and you are driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And then the rest of the story in just a moment. So what we have in this story is the first recorded murder. And it's actually the first courtroom scene because it not only was the murder but it was also God calling the murderer to account now why did the murder happen the murder happened because of an issue of the heart it happened because Cain was angry now a couple of questions well I say a couple of questions I have a lot of questions when I read scripture like this because I don't know about you but my mind likes to paint pictures of what I'm reading and so while I'm painting pictures if I don't have an explicit answer in the text I try to color outside of the lines and imagine okay if I were there if this were me under normal circumstances what would this be like so for instance I wonder how old they were when this happened were they young? Were they old? I wonder what, what, how they knew to give an offering. Because up to this point, we don't have a, a command from God that we know of to make an offering. And yet, somehow, both Cain and Abel gave an offering. 
And I also wonder if God gave them a command that's just not recorded, was his command in such a way that Cain and Abel knew exactly what they were supposed to do? Now, we have to make some assumptions. The assumptions would be this, that yes, they knew what they were supposed to do, but didn't do it. How do we know that? Because God held them accountable. We know that because the Bible says that Abel offered a sacrifice of the fatted animal. It was a firstborn as well. And we know that later on down when the law is given to the Israelites, a firstborn for a sacrifice is supposed to be given. We also know that the first fruits are supposed to be given. But what the scripture infers here is that Abel gave God his best and Cain gave God the browning fruit or the leftovers. And so ultimately there was an issue of the heart in their sacrifices. And the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering, but God did not accept Cain's offering. And the very next verse says that Cain was angry and his face was downcast. Who was, ang- who was he angry at? We don't know. Was he angry at Cain? Was he, or excuse me, was, was Cain angry at Abel? Or was Cain angry at himself? Or maybe Cain was angry at God. The truth of the matter is, we are all angry at different times, but we are never angry truly about a thing. It's always about a person. Anger is always directed at a person. Here's why. Because things don't just happen. There is, because of the way we understand uh, uh, human life and, and, and reasoning, we understand that things have a cause. So we're all angry that the bridge is out, but we're really not angry at the bridge, right? I mean, I haven't heard anybody curse the bridge. I have heard Skanska in a curse word more than one time, right? But it's beyond that. We're not just angry at Skanska, we're angry at the state, and we're angry at the, uh, the city and the contractors, and we we're just angry at everybody because something about human nature says that when a situation happens that is unjust or unfair or not right, it's always a person's fault. You can see this to be true in everything. If there's a car wreck, what's the first thing you're told not to do? Never admit fault. Right. Why? Because it's always going to be the other person's fault. At least that's, that's what they say. If, if something happens um, in a car crash, if you can't blame the person who's driving, you're going to blame DOT for not having signs correctly, or you're going to blame the, 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 the whoever, whoever, because somebody didn't do something right. That's where our litigation system comes from. It's always somebody's fault. There's always somebody culpable. Now, Cain could have been angry at Abel. That's possible. That's the most obvious. But my question to you is this. Was that the right person to be angry at? What did Cain do? I mean, what did Abel do? I mean, Abel offered a sacrifice to God. Cain gave an offering to God. God accepted Abel. God did not accept Cain. How is Abel guilty of anything when it was God who accepted or didn't accept the offering? I think we have an important point to make here. Many of us who are angry are angry at the wrong person. We are blaming other people for things that they are not 
responsible for. And the question is this, why are you blaming them? Why have they become the object of your anger? Furthermore, if you're angry at the wrong person, how can they fix it if they're not responsible? Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes people do things and they are responsible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we're blaming a person for something that they don't have anything to do with the situation that happened. Not only was Cain angry, but his anger was coming out. You remember that song? Uh, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely. So let's just rewrite that song. If you're mad and you know it, then your face will surely. Yeah. There's, there's a truth in here that I don't think we can miss. Do you know that a person who is angry will always have that anger come out? And if not dealt with, it will always grow. Because not dealing with anger is feeding the anger. It is impossible to bury anger to the point where we just bury it and nothing happens from it. Because anger is, unholy anger is not something that God gives you. It's something that is poison. It's something that's inside of you. It's, it's I want to say an emotion, but it's more than an emotion. It's this, it's this state of being, if you will, to where if it's left unchecked, if, if it's le- left to just to its own uh, devices, it begins to grow. But it doesn't just grow one direction. It grows in every direction. Someone who has unresolved anger for a long period of time will be mad at everyone and everything. And they eventually will become the most miserable person on the planet. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Every one of us in this room knows somebody who is miserable to be around. Am I right? And if we were to do a deep dive into the why, I could almost guarantee you it goes back to anger. I'm just mad. Now, I'm not casting blame on that person. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be insensitive and I'm not trying to be unkind and I'm not saying that 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 person's a horrible, evil person. I'm just trying to get to the root of why so many people are having such a hard time in relationships and with life. Because they're angry. Cain was angry and his face was downcast. It not only came out in his face, but no doubt it came out in his relationships. And because it was coming out, God began to deal with it. The scripture says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Isn't it the goodness of God that brings these things up in our life? Can I just say that you are here today and if you are dealing with anger or rather if you're not dealing with anger but should be dealing with anger, right this moment God is saying to you through me, why are you angry? 
God's doing with you exactly what he did with Cain. Why? Because God loves you. See, the the tendency is for us to not want to deal with the anger because dealing with it is painful and it's vulnerable and it's messy and we know that we're going to have to deal with it in a way that ultimately offers forgiveness. And the thing about anger, we're angry for a reason. And if we know that we're supposed to offer forgiveness, if I jump into the arena of dealing with the anger, then that person or that whoever object is that is the, the, the object of my anger might get away and might get off. And I don't want that to happen, so I'm just going to hold on to it. But here's the thing. The tighter we hold on to anger, the more, the more energy we expend on it and the more exhausted we get. The other day, um, I was, I was uh, breaking apart a, a, some wood in my backyard. And I had a, a big maul, you know, a, a little four-pound sledge, basically. And I was, I was beating this wood, trying to get it apart. And I noticed that my hand was cramping. And my arm then just became heavy, all, and, and it became uh, tight all the way down. In fact, even now, I can feel the stress of that. But because it was so heavy, I had to hold on to it tighter. But because I held on to it tighter, it caused more pain. And it was just this endless cycle of I tried to grip harder, which made it hurt more, which meant I had to grip it harder and harder and harder. And eventually, I just gave out. I just couldn't do it anymore. The same thing happens with anger. God said to Cain, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? He was dealing with it. He was giving Cain the opportunity to go, you know what? I'm going the wrong direction. At this point, Cain had not acted upon his anger. At this point, he still had redemption. He still had the opportunity to turn around and go, you know what? I'm not going to let this take me to a place that I'm going to regret. And yet, his response to God was very human self-centered. His response to God was, or actually continue in verse 7. God said, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? In other words, you're mad at Abel, but you really shouldn't be mad at Abel. The offering you gave was the problem, not the offering that Abel gave was the problem. He said, if you do what is right, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. I've been watching uh, Kung Fu movies lately, so when I read that the first time, I knew you must master it. Okay, come on, that was funnier than what you gave me. Oh yeah, you must master it. That's that better? I don't know, I got into this Bruce Lee kick here lately. Just, what can I say? So picture this, sin is crouching at the door, but you must master it. So I got some chickens last week. And I I made these chickens a home in my backyard. I gave them water. I gave them food. I gave them chicken utopia for all practical purposes. But I have a dog who is a hunter at heart. And this dog patrols this chicken coop. I mean, she is prowling. Like literally, you would think that she was a cat the way she's doing it. 
And she's always looking for an opportunity to pounce on the chickens. All she needs is a little bit of an opportunity, just a little crack. And sayonara el chicken I don't know where that came from. I was also watching. Never mind. <laughs> I shouldn't tell you. That's what sin does. Sin is, is circling you. Just circling, looking for an opportunity to attack. And unresolved, undealt with anger is that door. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, don't give the devil a foothold. Anger is a foothold for the enemy. Because it's this cycle that just keeps making you go, go farther and farther and farther away from grace. Why? Because forgiveness is ultimately about grace. It's about you receiving grace and you giving grace. Here's how it's about you receiving grace. I can forgive anyone for anything because I have been forgiven greatly. Jesus said, Who, to whom uh, much has been forgiven, he forgives much, right? So I can forgive any offense to me because I know that I have been forgiven such a great offense towards God. And you go, well, you haven't been that bad. Oh, you don't know my heart. And you don't know what I could have done simply if I had the opportunity to do it, right? We can't think of ourselves more highly than we really are. The truth of the matter is, our hearts are as black as can be. And it's only the gospel that gives us the hope of forgiveness and of the opportunity or the ability to forgive others. And so... Sin is crouching at the door. In other words, God is saying to Cain, careful, you are at a place of extreme danger. And the very next verse, Cain is like, Abel, what you doing? Oh, I don't know, I'm just out with my sheep. Oh, cool. Hey, why don't you meet me down by the creek? I want to talk to you about something. Actually, we know they didn't have that kind of cell phone back then. It would have been a bag phone. They meet up, and the Bible says that Cain attacked Abel. And again, I'm using my brain. I'm trying to think, how does this happen? Are they face-to-face? -face? Does Cain come in hot and angry, and does he just charge him, or does he kind of sneak around, and while his brother's turn, does he? I don't know, but what I do know is that the end result is that his brother is dead, and God saw. See, that's the thing about Acting upon our anger, we never do it in a way that we get away with it, at least not to God. God sees it all. The very next scene, God says to, Abraham, uh, to Cain, Cain, where's your brother? His response is pretty flippant, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, that's the first, that's the first talking back. And essentially what God says is this. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. Your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. You are guilty. So I want to I ask you the question. 
Cain was angry at Abel. But if he was angry at Abel, he was really angry at the wrong person. Anger always has a person involved. Always. It usually happens because of a circumstance, but there's a reason for the circumstance. There's somebody we blame for the circumstance. And so our anger is directed at a person. Oftentimes, it's directed towards a person who has no culpability at all. So our anger really is misguided in a lot of ways. But let's just stop there for a moment because sometimes we're angry at a person because they did something. The person did something offensive, did something horrible, did something unjust. If you're angry at a person, who is it? Some people are angry at their father for abandonment or their mother for neglect. Some people are angry at their spouse or former spouse because of the way that they treated them, the way that they abused them, whether physically or emotionally or any other way. Some people are angry at clergy because of the things that they did or didn't do and should have known better and all those things. Some people are angry at their boss because of the unfairness. Some people are angry at their neighbor because they grew something they shouldn't have grown or they did something they didn't. You see how it can just, it just spread over and over and over? Here's why I'm saying that. Because anger that starts with one person that is not dealt with will move on to being super sensitive to being angry at another person, which means you're going to be more sensitive to being angry at another person. And before you know it, you're literally angry at everyone because everyone has done something and it will drown you. But a lot of times that turns and you realize you're not really angry at those people anyways. You're angry at yourself. Why are we angry at ourselves? I think there are two primary reasons. I think we're angry at ourselves because of guilt and I think we're angry at ourselves because of shame. Can I talk about shame for just a moment? Guilt says, I did that. Shame says, I am that. Guilt is about an action. Shame is about worth. And let me tell you how tricky this thing is. We're angry at somebody else because of something they did or didn't do. And the accuser of the brethren takes that anger and he twists it and he turns it and he puts it back on herself to where sometimes before long we start being angry not just at them, but we're angry at us because the shame that is involved says, I'm not worthy. Does that make sense? Shame is one of the most powerful emotions or conditions that you and I could ever possibly feel. In fact, if I were to be able to have a super secret x-ray machine and I could look into each person's heart, I dare say that the majority of us deal with shame on a regular basis. And shame always condemns. Always. 
The devil's good at it too, isn't he? You remember who you were? Remember what you did? Remember what you thought? You're not only unworthy, but you are unlovable. It's your fault. You don't have value. And it spirals down farther and farther and farther. But can I say to you this? The Bible tells us that to whom the Son sets free, He is free indeed. And what will set you free? You will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What's the truth? The truth is nothing can separate you from the love of Christ of God through Christ Jesus. Not height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor the present, nor the future, nor anything on all creation. Nothing can separate you from God's love, which happens to be an indescribable, unearned, and undeserved kind of love. In other words, you don't have to condemn yourself as unworthy or of unvaluable because God has already dealt with that on the cross. He's already proven that you are as loved as you will ever be because your value to Him truly is priceless. Let that sink in for just a moment, will you? Now, some of y'all are in here be like, I, I, don't, I don't feel any shame. You know, that might be the case, but what I've found is that a lot of times we, we shift the shame into something else. Yeah, we shift it into blame or we shift it into other kinds of feelings, but the root of a lot of what we deal with as human beings is a direct result of shame which often comes out as anger. Does that make sense? And here's the thing. I can't deal with this inside of you. I can only deal with it inside of me. And the thing about shame, the, 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 the real uh, catch-22 on it, is in order to deal with shame, you have to acknowledge the shame. But in order to acknowledge the shame, you have to make yourself vulnerable which is perceived as weakness, but it's not actually weakness. It's the epitome of courage. So when you acknowledge the shame, you're being vulnerable. But when you're vulnerable, God says, now I can root those things out. And I can implant into you a new way of thinking and a new way of seeing who I've created you to be in the first place. And that doesn't happen without a cost. And that doesn't happen. It, we, we think of this spiritual battle that we're in. We sang it today. This is how I fight my battles. We think of this spiritual battle as a boxing match. But when the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, it is not a boxing match. It is a grappling match. It is a ground game. It is, it is one where you've got each other like this and you are pushing and pulling and, and, and it's a twisting and turning. It is a all-muscle all energy, all attention kind of a wrestling match. It's not easy. And yet God says that you must master it. Sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. In other words, you must deal with shame. You must deal with anger and all the things that come along with that. Hatred comes from anger. You ever notice how we like to take and re rename anger? I'm concerned. 
We like, we like to soften it a little bit. I'm just concerned. I'm a little perturbed. I'm not happy. And we can soften it all we want, but at the end of the day, anger is anger. And by the way, do you remember what, God's, what, what happens, one of, the, one of the things that anger turns into? Malice and rage. That's a lot of what you're seeing on the road, by the way. You're seeing malice and rage. All right, so what if the anger is not actually against Abel, his brother? And what if it's not actually just against himself? I, I, I think that, that anger grows, and I think that a lot of times it moves, and it's all three. But what, what, if, the, what if the anger is against God? You know, this one's a hard one. It's hard because to be angry at God ultimately affects your relationship with God. And if you're angry with God, you can pretend it's not there all you want, but it will never go away until you root it out and deal with it. So why are we angry at God? We're angry at God because God didn't do something he should have done or because he did something that he shouldn't have done. That's the bottom line, right? But can I say something to you? Ultimately, to be angry at God because of what he did do or what he didn't do is the utmost of pride and arrogance in our own part. Here's why. Because for me to make a judgment that God should have done something different is to put me in the place above God. It's to say, God, you got this one wrong. You don't know what you're doing. You are not really God. And so for me to accuse God ultimately is to say, I know more than God. But question, do you really see everything that you, know, you think you see? Or do you just see a little bit of a much, much larger picture. See, it's funny, when I go over here, I can only see one or two faces at a time, but everybody on this side is, is blind to me. But I can turn over here and I can look just here, but everybody on this side is blind to me. And that's ultimately what's going on when you and I blame God. We're saying to God, God, I see everything. And what I'm seeing is wrong. And God's response surely must be the same response he gave to Job. Job, stand up and face me like a man. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when the mountains were formed? Where were you when the stars were put in their place? In Job chapter 36... There's a beautiful picture of understanding just how big and how, how just God actually is. Now, I want you to follow with me here, okay? Because, because it would be easy to check out because of the way this is written. Bear with me, verse 2, chapter 36 of Job, verse 2. By the way, do you know what would happen if uh, the Bible didn't have the book of Job in it? 
<laughs> we'd all be jobless. Thank you. I'll be here all day. That was way better of a joke in First Baptist. I got to be honest. Job 36, verse 2. Bear with me a little longer and I will show you that there is, no, uh, there is more to be said on God's behalf or in God's behalf. It said, I get my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe justice to my maker. Be assured that my words are not false. One perfect in knowledge is with you. God is mighty. He does not despise men. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their rights. He does not take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings and exalts them forever. But if men are bound in chains, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done, they, that they have sinned arrogantly. He makes them listen to correction. He commands them to repent on their evil. If they obey and serve him, they will serve him the rest of their days in prosperity and the years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. The godless in heart harbor resentment. Even when he fetters them, they do not cry for help. And then if you continue on in this verse and then in then the next chapter 37 and 38, what you'll find is this defense for the for the majesty and the holiness and the sovereignty of God. And here's what I'm going to say to you. We can accuse God all day long, but at the end of the day, it's like the infant accusing the parent because the infant only sees one small, tiny little speck of life. And the parent has not only been places the infant has never been, but the parent has understanding in things that are not even a concern yet for the infant. So for you and I to blame God or to be mad at God, ultimately, doesn't make any real sense. I'm not downplaying your feeling. I'm simply saying, if you step back and say, why am I mad at God? Usually it's because you don't understand the why. Would you agree? I'm mad because I don't understand. Why did you or why didn't you? And all I can say to you is this. You and I have a finite mind. Who can understand the ways of the Lord? There are some things we will just not ever understand. But how can you still trust God? Because of all who he's revealed himself to be in the scripture. That's why the authority of God's word is so important. Because God has revealed himself as a God who can be trusted even in the midst of great misunderstanding or non-understanding. <sighs> so you say, how do I deal with this? How do I, how, do I, how do I get out of this anger? I'm going to give you a step-by-step. -step. Number one, admit you're angry. If you don't admit you're angry, you'll never stop being angry. You can't stop something that you don't acknowledge. First, admit you're angry. Second, it, uh, find out who you're really angry at. Are you angry at a person? Are you angry at yourself? Or are you angry at God? By the way, God is big enough to handle whatever you could throw at him. He is really big enough to handle that. He's not intimidated by your anger in the least. In fact, he is full of compassion. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He is gracious and he is compassionate and he is kind. 
Chances are you're angry at a person, you're angry at yourself, and you're angry at God. So you write that down. I am angry. I'm angry at these people. And if it's another person, specifically call that person's name. And then the third thing, why am I angry? What happened? If we don't acknowledge the what happened, we can't truly find freedom from it. And the truth of the matter is, when we acknowledge what happened, sometimes we realize that what happened might not be anybody else's fault but our own. Cain was mad, but it was his own fault, wasn't it? It was his offering that was rejected, but it was he who had control of the offering. The only one who can deal with your anger is you. The only one that can deal with my anger is me. You've got to own it. I've got to own it because it's ours to own. So I admit this, this is why I'm angry. And then the last one, forgive and choose to let go. You say, well, how can I let go of something like that? You can choose to let it go by doing this. You can say, Father, you can ask the Lord, Lord, what in this situation do I need to learn? Is there anything in this situation that I'm responsible for? Is there anything in this situation that I caused the answer might be no, but chances are it might be yes. There might be something that, that instigated this whole situation and you've never seen that you were part of the issue. You can't be free from anger till you deal with that. So you say, okay, Lord, show me what part that I have and then show me what part that somebody else has and show me what I don't know. I, I never... <laughs> Some, listen, in my experience, sometimes two people have a disagreement and that disagreement is over something, but it's really not about the two of you. It's about what God is doing in each of you. And the two of you just happen to be where this thing festered and came out, but it just so happens that God is working in both of you and that issue, whatever it was, sparked the dealing of whatever was going on. Does that make sense? I can think of relationships in my life that those relationships exploded, but they exploded and the result was God showed me things about me and God showed things about them that could not have, well, they weren't being seen otherwise. And so part of dealing with the anger is acknowledging that. And the final thing, Offer forgiveness to whoever needs forgiveness and then let it go. Say, so how do I do that? You do that daily. Question, has anybody in here ever been so offended, so hurt by somebody that even though you've offered forgiveness, you still, there are things that will trigger it and just come back? Anybody like that? Every one of us like that. Man, I thought I got rid of this. Well, See, forgiveness is a process. The depth of the hurt will determine the length of the process. 
It's not that the gospel isn't powerful enough. It's that we're human and we're built with feelings and emotions. And so God has to move us step by step at a time. And the longer we allow God to work on us, the easier it will be to forgive. And before long, you just won't hold that against him anymore. So, who do you need to forgive? Somebody else? Yourself? Are you angry? You take a moment, close your eyes, and bow your head for just uh, a few parting thoughts. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that. Everything I'm talking about begins with a relationship with Jesus. It's hard to forgive others if you haven't received forgiveness yourself from God. So just say to him, God, I recognize that I need your forgiveness. And God, I I need your forgiveness because I've sinned. Now, God, help me to deal with whatever anger has captured me. Father in heaven, I do pray that uh, in this place you would you would get a hold of our heart. Lord, I pray that today we would leave with the resolve that is one of hope, one of healing. Father, may we not be like Cain. May we not let sin that is crouching at the door take hold of us and master us. God, may we master it. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just take a few moments and talk with the Lord. I never said it would be easy, because it won't be. You're in for the fight of your life. But it's the only way to be free. Find out more about First Baptist Church, Gulf